morning. It's good to be in the house of the Lord this morning. Amen. We're going to be playing a little bit of a game this morning, or a friendly competition. And usually, you know, you set out the rules and whatnot beforehand. But I'm not going to do that. We're going to make up the rules as we go. So we're going to see how this goes. So to start this morning, I'm going to start with a question. And three people are disqualified from answering this question. Those three people are Josh, Caleb, and Marianne. What? <laughs> you guys look a little shocked. <laughs> what is the first sentence of our covenant? And the reason why I disqualified those three is because they were the ones who did the editing on the covenant. I think. Am I right with that? Well, yeah, anybody who's read it, you're cheating. That's, yeah. So like I said, we're making up the rules as we go. So can anyone tell me what that is? And if you can't, then hopefully one of the editors might know. Any guesses? <laughs> That's what the, what the first three words of the Bible are, but there are four. Um, do you, would you like any hints? We've been singing about it this morning. That's your first hint. You got the first part right. We believe in God the Father. Yes, so it says, we believe in God the Father, Jesus the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And these, or sorry, and they are one. So, um, Lewinna and Deborah, here you go. One, Deborah, get ready. Two, oh no. <laughs> Little too high there. <laughs> so, what we based that off of was First John 5, 7 through 8, where it says, For there are three that bear witness in heaven, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Spirit, and these three are one. And there are three that bear witness on earth, the spirit, the water, and the blood, and these three agree as one. So that's one of the references that we have as to why we said that. Part of the reason, I think, why we put this as at the beginning there is to just say, these are, this is what we believe in. And we did a, a good job of really bringing it down to the core beliefs that you have to have in order to call yourself a Christian. And I don't believe that if you don't believe in the Trinity, if you don't believe in God the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and these three being one, I don't think that you can call yourself a Christian. And um, so it's important because not only is it on our covenant, but it's in the Bible as well. That's what we based all of this off of. And I think if we're going to put it on our covenant, it would be good for us to really understand what the Trinity is and what it means. John 1, 1 through 5, this is a familiar verse for us. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God, and all things were made through him, and without him not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life, that, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and uh, the darkness has not overcome it overcome it. So this is talking about Jesus being the, the word is representative of Jesus. So in this first section, I'm going to sort of prove to you through the Bible 
how Jesus is also God and how they are one. So we're going to turn to Psalm 102, and I'm going to read the first two verses of that. Before you turn to it, though, just listen, listen to, to me read it, um, because there's going to be a question here, okay? Hear, me, hear my prayer, O Lord. Let my cry come to you. Do not hide your face from me in the day of my distress. Incline your ear to me. Answer me speedily in the day when I call. So who is the psalmist talking to here? All right. I got a little bit bigger one for you. There you go. (laughs) So the psalmist is clearly talking to the Lord, and this is what he says about the Lord, the Lord being God, the Father. And if we go down to verses 25 and 27 in Psalm 102, it says, Of old you laid the foundations of the earth, and the heavens are the work of your hands. They will perish, but you will remain. They will all wear out like a garment. You will change them like a robe. And they will pass away, but you are the same, and your years have no end. So this is talking about God here, okay? So now we've looked at the Old Testament, and we're going to go to the New Testament, and we're going to go to Hebrews chapter 1, and once again, wait before you turn there, Hebrews chapter 1, verses 8 through 12. But of the Son, he says, your throne, O God, is forever and ever. The scepter of uprightness is the scepter of your kingdom. You, you have loved righteousness and hated wickedness. Therefore, God, your God, has anointed you with the oil of gladness beyond your companions. So, who is getting talked about here? The sun. All right, got another big one for you, Dale. <laughs> so, he's talking about the sun here, and this is what he says. You laid the foundation of the earth in the beginning, and the heavens are the work of your hands. They will perish, but you will remain. They will wear out like a garment, like a robe. You will roll them up like a garment. You will, they will be changed, but you are the same, and your years will have no end. It's saying the exact same thing here about the sun as it said about God. The sun here is Jesus. So now we're going to go back to the Old Testament. Jeremiah 17.10 says, I, the Lord, search the heart and test the mind to give every man according to his ways, according to the fruit of his deeds. Who's talking here? I, the Lord, I, Jehovah, good job. So, I'll toss another one to you. Good catch. <laughs> so, the Lord is talking here, and he's saying that I search the heart and test the mind. Then over in Revelation chapter 2, verse 18, it says, And to the angel of the church of Thyatira write the words of the Son of God, who has eyes like a flame of fire, and whose feet are like um, burnished bronze. Now, pause here really quick. He's about to give a bunch of quotes, okay, about who. Who is he getting ready to give a bunch of quotes about? Whose words are we talking about here? All right, someone with gray or white hair can answer this question. Jesus, good job, okay. Here it comes, get ready. (laughs) Almost. (laughs) So he's talking about the Son of God here, okay? So then as we skip down Revelation chapter 2 and verse 23, this is what he says about the Son of God. And I will strike her children dead, and all the churches will know that I am he 
who searches the mind and the heart, and I will give each according to your works. Once again, it sounds exactly like what was said about God the Father is being said now about the Son of God, Jesus, here. Um, And notice another thing about this. It says that I am he. Jesus is saying, I am he. It's not saying that I am he also, as in like someone separate. It's saying that I am he. So this here is the Son of God, and he's given the exact same attributes as God the Father. Um, And part of the reason why I am sort of proving this through the Bible about how it's saying the same thing about God uh, and Jesus here is because there are people that don't believe in in the Trinity, and they try to say that they're separate. And I'm trying to prove that the Bible is saying the same thing about Jesus and God. Colossians 1, 15 through 16 says about uh, Jesus, He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible. Whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. So what does the word firstborn mean in this context? It talks about um, how Jesus is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of creation. What does that mean? A position. So it's not necessarily saying that uh, Jesus was the first creation. Okay, so what is Jesus' position then? It's the firstborn. Someone other than Dave this time. Okay, Dave, Dave got us down the right track. What position? Seth. Right. He's the son of God. The heir. Yeah. And basically what you, you, you're all hinting at it, but basically what it's saying here is that he is supreme over all creation. Jesus is supreme over all creation. So for that one, I'm, I'm going to give that one to Seth. Um, let me see here. I don't have, this might be a hard one to toss a little bit far, but I'm going to toss it. There we go. <laughs> okay. Matthew 16, 27 says, for the Son of Man is going to come with his angels in the glory of his Father, and then he will repay each person according to what he has done. This sounds, again, like something that we read about the Father, but it's talking about Jesus here. It's talking about the Son of Man. So in this, who is actually doing the judging or repaying? Jesus is speaking of himself, that's right. All right, Dave is going to get all the chocolate today, all the, all the awards. <laughs> if I miss you and it goes to someone else, I guess they can keep it. <laughs> so Jesus is going to be the one who repays each person according to what he has done. John 5.22 also backs this up, and it says, For the Father judges no one, but has given all judgment to the Son. So Jesus is going to judge here. And then Revelation, chapter 22, verses 12 to 13 say, And behold, I am coming quickly. My reward is with me to give to everyone according to his work. I am the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. Who 
here are we talking about? Who is the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last? God and Jesus. You are all right. You are all correct. So you get one. Who else answered? Ilva, did you answer? Came from over here. I did. Please don't go ready. <laughs> Too late. <laughs> 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 Sorry about that. <laughs> And then to further prove this, verse 20 says, He who testifies to these things says, Surely I am coming soon. So Jesus is saying, Surely I am coming soon. And how do we know that it's Jesus who is talking here? That's because there is a response. It says, Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. We know who he's talking to here. So although God is three distinct, co-equal, co-eternal persons, he is also one being. He is one God, which is why we created the term Trinity. And it's to try to explain the complexity of this amazing God that we serve. The word Trinity does not appear in the Bible, but it's assumed throughout the Bible, especially in the New Testament. Well, what do I mean by this, that a triune God is assumed in the Bible? Um, well, in the same way that if you were to look at a text thread between a husband and a wife in, in the interaction there's not going to be a lot of texts that say, I'm your husband, I'm your husband, I'm your husband, or I'm your wife, I'm your wife, I'm your wife, right? We're not going to continue to repeat that over and over. There is an assumption within that text thread that there is a marriage relationship between husband and wife. Well, if Amy and I were, um, you know, to text back and forth and say things like, did you drop the kids off at school, or are you picking them up from school, are you taking them to baseball practice, there's an assumption there that there's a relationship between Amy and I, a marriage relationship. Even though I didn't say, hey, wife, are you going to take them? Or, hey, husband, are you going to take them? That is assumed. So in the same way in the Bible, a lot of what happens when talking about the attributes of God, there is an interchanging between the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And it's assumed that you're talking about all three of them because there is that interchanging and because they are one. Isaiah 48, verse 4. 13 says my hand laid the foundation of the earth and my right hand spread out the heavens when I call to them they stand forth together so keep in mind that we've we've established that Jesus and God were both there in the laying of the foundation of the earth so let's see what it says now we are in Isaiah chapter 48 we read verse 13 we're going to drop down to verse 16 and it says, draw near to me, hear this, from the beginning I have not spoken in spirit. From the time it came to be, I have been there. And now the Lord God has sent me and his spirit. Who did the Lord God send? His son and his spirit. Yeah, I think that was, might have been Josh, I'm not sure. But Josh, I got a couple sour heads here. Do you like sour stuff or not really? <laughs> Give you the sour ones. <laughs> So Jesus is here in the Old Testament. We find Jesus. It's saying that the Lord God sent him and his spirit. So it's an interchangeable thing. So we, we've established that Jesus is God and part of the Trinity. And now we're going to establish that the Holy Spirit is also God. So Jeremiah uh, 31, verses 33 through 34 says, For this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, declares the Lord. 
I will put my law within them, and I will write on their hearts, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. And no longer shall each one teach his neighbor and each his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for they shall know me from the least to the greatest, declares the Lord. For I will forgive their iniquity, and I will remember their sins no more. Who is talking in this? And for this one, let's see if one of the kids can answer. And parents can help. Who is talking in these verses? For this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel, declares the Lord. God? Okay, good job. <laughs> Here, how about I give you one too, Tucker? Whoops! <laughs> So these are quotes that are coming from the Lord God. And then in, we're going to go to Hebrews 10. Now, a quick note here, though. What I'm doing is I'm starting in the Old Testament and I'm going to the New Testament. And it's important that we start in the Old Testament and then work our way to the New Testament. Because if we start with the New Testament and then go to the Old Testament, you can actually be in error because you're reading backwards. And then there's a lot of misunderstanding. So we need to understand the New Testament with the filter of the Old Testament. So Hebrews chapter 10, verses 15 through 17. And the Holy Spirit also bears witness for us after saying, This is the covenant that I will make with them after those days, declares the Lord. I will put my laws on their hearts and I will write them on their minds. Then he adds, I will remember their sins and their lawless deeds no more. Who said this in these verses? And for this one... Um, we're going to say if you're older than 50, you can answer this question. The Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit. Good job, Elba. Okay, I'll fill it next to you. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I wouldn't do that to Elba. I might do that to you, Christina. But <laughs> so the Holy Spirit is saying these words, but yet it's the exact same thing that we just said about God the Father. Isaiah 6, 8 through 10 says, And I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send, and who will go for us? Then I said, Here I am, send me. And he said, Go and say to the people, Keep on hearing, but do not understand. Keep on seeing, but do not perceive. Make the heart of this people dull and their ears heavy, and blind their eyes, lest they see with their eyes and hear with their ears, and understand with their hearts, and turn and be healed. Whose voice did Isaiah hear in these words? Yep, it says, and I heard the voice of the Lord saying, so go ahead and talk this over here. You ready? <laughs> so then we're going to go to Acts in uh, chapter 28, verses 25 through 27. But before we read these verses, I just want to put it into quick context here for you um, as about what's going on in these verses. So Paul was in Rome, and he was trying to convince the local Jewish leaders about Jesus from both the law of Moses and the prophets. And just like always with everything that Paul said to the Jewish people, some of them believed him and some of them didn't. So a quick question as well to put it in context before we get started. Who's the author of Acts? Who wrote the book of Acts? Luke, that was a quick one. Good job. So Luke 
is writing what Paul said here, okay? So verses 25 through 27 in Acts 28 says, and disagreeing among themselves. So the Jewish leaders were disagreeing among themselves. They departed, but only after Paul had made one statement. So this is a statement that Paul is going to make. He says, the Holy Spirit was right in saying to your fathers through the Isaiah, through Isaiah the prophet, Go to this people and say, you will indeed hear, but never understand. You will indeed see, but never perceive. For this people's heart has grown dull, and with their ears they can barely hear, and with their eyes they have closed, lest they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their hearts and turn, and I would heal them. Here we have Paul, who knows the Old Testament better than all of us combined, and he's saying that the Holy Spirit was right in saying these words. Well, we had just read that the voice of the Lord said this to Isaiah, right? But Paul, who is talking about these same verses, said that the Holy Spirit was right for saying it. So they're interchangeable, okay? There's an assumed, uh, even in the Old Testament, it's assumed that we're talking about the same person. The Holy Spirit was the one who said this. So just to sort of put this into some applications for us. Oftentimes, when we think about the humiliation of Christ, we think of it being when he became, not when he became flesh, but when he was put on the cross and when he was beaten beyond you know, recognition there at Calvary. But what about the humiliation of Jesus when he became flesh? We don't talk about that very much. Before Jesus was born, right, he laid the foundations of the earth. He created the heavens, and then this person, the same person who did all these things, enters into the creation that he created and helps us understand how much God loves us. He humbled himself to not only come down to this earth, but to also die Jesus became human for me and my flawed self, and he also became human for, your, for you and your flawed self. And when we understand who God is and what he did for us and the lengths in which he did for us, we, it's just fascinating how much he loves us. And it also helps us better understand the Trinity as well, these three being one, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Another thing, too, that I see in this is that as followers of Jesus Christ, we should be like Jesus, not just in the earthly example that he set and the fact that he was humble enough to become flesh, but also we should love our neighbors like Jesus did. Part of the very nature of God is community, is these three being one. And he made human beings in his image we should love each other and be unified and in community with each other and with our triune God. And another thing that just goes along with this is that God is a God of relationship. Look at in the garden when he first created the world. It says that he came and he walked with Adam and Eve in the cool of the day. He wanted that relationship with them. And then that was broken because of sin entering the world. And then here comes Jesus who was also there in that relationship with them. He was humbled enough to become flesh 
for us. He was humbled enough to go to the cross and to die and to pay for our sins and to be risen again on the third day so that we can live just as he lives. And then, not only that, but he wants a relationship with each one of you individually. And then in the future, in Revelation, it talks about Jesus' second coming. And it says that his bride has made herself ready. Who is Jesus' bride? Jesus' bride is the church. It's us, all together, unified as one. We are the bride of Christ. God is a God of community, relationship, and unity. And in closing, I can't think of a better way that wraps this up than Jesus' prayer in John 17. After Jesus said this, he looked towards heaven and prayed, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son, that your Son may glorify you. For you granted him all authority over all the people that he might give eternal life to all those you have given him. Now this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom I have sent. I have brought you, whom you sent, sorry. I have brought you glory on earth by finishing the work you gave me to do. And now, Father, glorify me in your presence with the glory I had with you before the world began. I have revealed you to those you gave to me out of this world. They were yours. You gave them to me, and they have obeyed your word. Now they know that everything you have given to me comes from you. For I gave them the words you gave me, and they accepted them, and they knew with certainty that I came from you, and they believed that you sent me. I pray for them. I am not praying for the world, but for those who, who you have given me, and for they are yours. All I have is yours, and all you have is mine. And glory has come to me through them. I will remain in the world no longer, but they are still in the world, and I am coming to you. Holy Father, protect them by the power of your name, the name you gave me, so that they may be one as we are one. While I was with them, I protected them and kept them safe by that name that you gave me. None has been lost except the one doomed for destruction so that scripture would be fulfilled. I am coming to you now, but I say these things while I am still in the world, so that they may have the full measure of my joy within them. I have given them your word, and the world has hated them, for they are not of this world any more than I am of the world. My prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. They are not of the world, even as I am not of it. Sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, I have sent them into the world. For them, I sanctify myself, that they too may be truly sanctified. My prayer is not for them alone. I pray for all of those who will believe in me through their message, that all of them may be one, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us, that the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them the glory that you have given me, that they may be one as we are one. I in them and you in me, so that they may be brought to complete unity. Then the world will know that you have sent me and have loved, me, loved them, even as you have loved me. Father, I want those you have given to me to be with me where I am 
and to see my glory, the glory you have given me because you loved me before the creation of the world. Righteous Father, though the world does not know you, I know you and they know you, that you have sent me and I have made you known to them and will continue to make you known in order that the love you have for me may be in them and that I myself may be in them. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we just thank you so much that you sent your son Jesus and the Holy Spirit. Thank you that you three are one. And Father, as we continue to learn more about you, more about your love, I just ask that we would also recognize that we are in you. And Jesus, the only way that we can get to the Father is through you. And so, Father, we just commit ourselves to you and to following you and to serving you and to loving you and to loving our neighbors. We just ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.